1: Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, our partners at BetOnline, they continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. You can find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Did you know training camp is right around the corner because BetOnline has already opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, that little thing we call the Super Bowl? So head to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first. Deposit. Just use promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V to get in that bonus and get into that action. Bet online where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. I got baseball fever this week, and I got a fantastic guest to come on to talk about the start of the second half for the 46 and 46 Chicago White Sox. He is the host of Lockdown Socks and also the host of Good Guys Talk Back. And also a man that I call a friend. Nick Murowski is back on the pod. What's up, Nick?
0: Joey, thanks so much for having me, buddy. Can't wait to talk some White Sox. Here we are, man. We're back at
1: the we're back at even Stevens right now. It's 0-0. Only took us 92 games to get there, an NBA season and plus. But, you know, the White Sox ended up into the first half on a high note. Now they got a lot of time off. And now they're going to be kicking off a series against the Guardians this weekend. Some more division games coming up. And then now it is officially go time. It's early still, right, Nick? (laughs) No, I I mean, maybe, (laughs) uh,
0: maybe, I guess, um, with the way the first half ended, uh, you can talk yourself back into things. Uh, you can talk yourself definitely into playoff contention, uh, to defending the AL central. I don't know if we're talking ourselves into the world series expectations that the Sox, uh, had on their shoulders entering the 2022 season. I think those will come. A lot of things still need to uh, happen, but the way they finish the first half has got a lot of folks, I think, uh, and without baseball for a week, you know, has got people excited for this Cleveland series.
1: Yeah, and the All-Star break is a great time to kind of reflect on what went right and what went wrong. And look, I think there's a lot that we can point at that went wrong with the White Sox in the first half, but as you alluded to, the way they finished up that final series, against the twins, was it able to, you know, kind of cleanse the palate a little bit? Was that, you know, did it take some of the sour taste out of the first half? Or is a lot of the stuff that creeped up in that first half still kind of nagging at you a little bit as we approach the second half of the season?
0: Uh, I think taking three out of four against uh, the twins in Minnesota, the way they did it to the bookends, really, they started the series and they beat the twins 12 to two. And they ended the series beating the Twins 11 to nothing. And you saw a lot of home runs. You saw a lot of power. You saw uh, the Sox hitting with runners in scoring position. And you saw some great pitching, especially Dylan Cease. Um, what I guess troubled me as, as a Sox fan, and, and probably with as every Sox fan, is we still don't know Aloy Jimenez. And Luis Robert was hurt in that series. And Adam Ingle did a great job of stepping in. But let's let's be honest. We'd rather have Luis Robert out there in center field, especially with the way he w- has been hitting, uh, than Adam Engel. So question marks. You know, he has Monte Grandal. What's going on with him? Um, but all in all, the Sox forty six and forty six, three games out in the Central, with everything that happened, injury wise, guys not performing and living up to maybe their expectations or the back of their baseball cards, as a lot of folks will say. I'll take it, you know, and so the way they ended, you know, in in the last 10 games, they were seven and three, uh, but especially beating the twins three out of four in a tough spot uh, has got me feeling like if they rested up this week and they start believing in themselves a little bit more, um, you know, it's doable. This division is theirs to win. The problem was the Cleveland and Minnesota never buried us when they had the chance, you know, and the sacks are still here.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, and I, I think as of today as we're heading into the weekend action, the White Sox have scored the second most runs in the American League behind the New York Yankees. I think that was something that we were anticipating was going to happen months ago. It's finally here now. We're going to be able to get a chance to dwell on a lot of the the criticisms and some of the shortcomings of this team in a little bit, but right now kind of what I'm hearing a little bit is, you know, what has you the most optimistic right now? Is it a lineup kind of turning the corner? Is it the injuries turning into health? or is it possibly, and I'm in agreement with you that the White Sox match up really well. They've played solid baseball against the twins and the guardians. They're not overmatched. This isn't a situation where it's, Oh man, we're going into Minnesota. Watch out. And I think that gives me a lot of optimism of them hanging around when they have to play these interdivision games the rest of the way.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, Cleveland and Minnesota are beatable. Uh, They're absolutely beatable. And For, you know, for some reason, it just felt like the Sox were so intimidated. I I don't know. There was a lot of issues going on. And once the power started coming back towards the end of that first half and you saw uh, home runs in bunches, I mean, that's what needs to happen for this team. You know, they need to have games where they have multiple home runs. They need to get guys on base and then have those, those power surges uh, so the way Mancada finished up the first half, uh, which hopefully if he's healthy, that's a promising sign. Of course, Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu has, you know, has returned to the exciting Jose Abreu. Uh, and for me, though, it, it really comes down to pitching. Uh, if Giolito can get back on track and, you know, he has he had a tough first half, you know, with with injury and then with some health issues and sp- just spotty performance-wise. But, you know, his last start was pretty promising, and we'll see him kick things off uh, against Cleveland with this series. Of course, Dylan Cease, I mean, should have been an AL All-Star. I, I wonder if he's going to have that chip on his shoulder in the second half. And, uh, obviously, Johnny Cueto. I mean, how, what else can you say about this guy? Who would have thought that Johnny Cueto was going to be the most exciting starter in the first half? I love watching that Wait, guy pitch, uh, Johnny you know. Cueto. Johnny Cueto, the workhorse. Nick. I think is. that's
1: the most exp- that's the most exciting one. And, and he surprising. absolutely
0: oh, it, it, he is a joy to watch. Uh, can he can he continue that? You know, I mean, maybe he was catching folks off guard, and and they've got a plan in place now for him. I don't know. Uh, so pitching, and then of course Kopech you know, he's had kind of an up and down first half. Uh, you know, he had the highs against the Yankees and then he had a couple games where especially one, it's one start against the twins where he gave up like four or five home runs. He didn't last very long. Uh, the, the biggest worry though, on the staff is Lance Lynn. Uh, what's going on with Lance Lynn. Is it a health issue? Is it just simply mechanics, you know, can't, can't find the zone. Things are not, Uh, falling into place yet for him but he's already had six or seven starts and I'm I'm hoping that he can turn a corner and and somewhat return to the 2021 Lance Lynn so to me it's a combination of stellar starting pitching uh, that can go deeper into games you know four five six innings uh, and then the return to power you know the offense bringing bringing the thunder
1: yeah, let's stick with the starting pitching for a second. Lance Lynn is an interesting case. You know, I, I watch, when you watch a lot of his starts, he's only topping out at 92, 93. And this is a guy that lives with his fastball, what, 60, 70% of the time. It really tips the scales. So I'm, I'm kind of curious and interested about what's going to happen with him. I want to stick with Kopech just for just a second here because I think this is going to be, um, you know, talk show fodder for the next month or so. He's coming up on that cap. We're gonna be at that cap of his innings and he's never been a full-time starter before. And the organization is gonna to have to make decisions that might not necessarily reflect the results that are happening on the field, but the long-term health of a guy who's on their team named Michael Kopech. In your opinion right now, if you can maybe predict how you think they're going to go about that, are they gonna find someone from the organization? Do you pull a guy like Ronaldo Lopez out of a role that he's been so good at this year? If you could predict and project what, how they're going to handle that, um, I would love to hear your perspective because as of right now as it stands, Kopech has had fantastic success against some of the elite American League teams, teams that perhaps if we do, fortunately enough, get into the postseason, he's pitched well against the Astros. He's pitched well against the Yankees. You're going to want to have him in the consideration. So how do you think the White Sox are going to manage that in the next six or seven weeks or so?
0: Well, you don't see him starting in the first series, Uh, so he is not going to pitch against Cleveland. I mean, there's four games, so obviously they're pushing him back. Uh, There are some off days next week. Uh, Monday and Thursday, I think. Yeah, Yeah, so... Uh, there are going to be opportunities where I think he will get even further rest. And so it's, I'm not surprised, I guess, that he wasn't announced in the Cleveland series. I think they're going to be cautious and you hit it right on the head. Ronaldo Lopez, a guy that we have uh, seen, uh, wear so many different hats so far this season. Um, he's going to be called upon, I think, to eat, to eat some innings and, and to help out uh, and I can't believe we're we're speaking so highly uh, of Ronaldo Lopez here in 2022. You know, he has had his own roller coaster of a career with the White Sox, but I think he has found some things out and uh he's got the confidence and his velocity is up and and he's kind of found his niche, his role. I mean, this what he's doing is kind of what Kopeck did last year in a way. Um so I I think the Sox are going to be very purposeful, they're going to be mindful um and And I hope that it's just, it's not, um, it's not an injury thing for Kopech. You know, he had that knee thing that took him out of a game rather early. Um, They're going to watch him. They're going to keep, they're going to, they're going to watch him very closely. I think we all have to remember this is his first year in the starting rotation in a full-time starting rotation, something we've been waiting for since the fall of 2016. And it, it would be a shame if, you know, he has to get, slow down a bit in in this uh in this push towards not only a divisional title but you know going deep in the postseason but i think the sacks have to also look to get more pitching at the deadline you know i think they they need to get some help too there
1: yeah so that's that's the big question um in regards to Kopek, you know from from the cheap seats the fans perspective is his demeanor i don't know if i'm like the biggest fan of his uh demeanor like, all the time, he's kind, of like a, he's kind of like a fake tough guy a little bit. But you're bringing up a <laughs> fantastic point of, let's keep in mind, Sox fans, that Kopech is performing the way that he's performing in his first year as a starter. I think his ceiling is is quite enormous, honestly. Um, I think that the better days are definitely ahead. Think about, you know, the first seasons when Giolito gets a full run and Cease gets a full run. These guys are having problems, and they're working through some of the same issues that Kopech has. But Kopech, for whatever reason, has been able to kind of – weather choppy innings from time to time and at least get you those five or six innings and you know maybe he'll give up that three run home run but he'll he'll stop it like right there and i i find that to be very promising and i think the way that they handle him the rest of the season could you know really dictate what we're going to be able to do in this postseason because i'm i don't know if i'm banking on lynn right now to turn it around how confident are you that you know lance lynn is going to look like the lance lynn of last year because I think that expectation might be a little too rich.
0: He, he, I mean, he's what? 35, 36. Um, you know, he's a, Waste. he's a big guy. No waist,
1: no, waist <laughs> is a little bigger on the waist, but.
0: <laughs> but no, but I mean, he, you know, he's, he's a big dude and to have yeah. a knee injury uh, as a pitcher, you know, I, I don't want to question his work ethic. I don't want to question, you know, his training. If he says he's healthy, uh, you know, but the results show it. And, uh, he's been laboring, he's been having tough innings, he's been giving up the long ball. The, the worry I have with Lance Lynn is I think his category of pitches. It's essentially a fastball, but it's several variations of a fastball that he throws. And there isn't that nasty wipeout pitch that Cease has that'll drop off the table or, you know, Giolito when he's got that change of floating like a butterfly. Uh, when Lynn tends to miss and he's been doing that more often, it's that cutter uh, that cuts right back into the into the wheelhouse and it's all of a sudden middle middle and these guys you know they've gone to school on him now um they, they've 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 seen what he can do they've got the video and and they're waiting for it and and he'll come to them and and they're mashing they're not missing on Lynn. So um I I don't know. I'm not as he's got to prove it to me. I'm not simply saying, Oh yeah, Lynn's going to bounce back. I I don't know. You know, I, who knows? There's a point where some guys get, and we saw it with Dallas Keuchel where you're eventually you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're toast. Um, I'm not saying Lynn's there, but it happens with guys. And, and, and you could keep trying to wish it into existence of like, no, he'll, he'll, he'll bounce back. He's, he's saying all the right things. I I think he believes in himself. He can do it, but, you know, your your skill level will, will let everybody know.
1: And, you know, I think what really happened with Dallas Keuchel, too, as well, and this might come across a little crass, but, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, Giolito's changeup, and you mentioned Cease's wipeout pitch. You know, that is in their pitch selection. That is the bullshit from a hitter's perspective of what they're throwing at you. And what happened with Dallas Keuchel is they just stopped buying his bullshit, right? And he wasn't able to locate it in the zone because – He didn't really have the pop anymore to do it. So he was always kind of nibbling around the edges a little bit. And I'm with you. I kind of see that a little bit with Lynn right now and that country hard fastball and the country hard fastball might be Lance Lynn's bullshit. And it's not it's at ninety two ninety three right now. And if you can't establish that and you're not crisp on your cutter, it's going to really hurt you. And it kind of alludes to you mentioned a little bit. What are we going to do with the deadline? A lot of people are talking reliever. I have heard a couple of rumors. I want to get your take about a possible Jose Quintana re- reunion on the South Side. Also, a left-hander has experience out of the bullpen and can maybe buy you a couple round of starts. You know, how would uh, you know how does that how does that hit you about him possibly coming back on the South Side?
0: I have no problems with that, and I have heard that from some folks uh, that are really smart Sox fans, and it, it makes sense from the lefty perspective. It makes sense. Uh, just socks are known to bring guys back from time to time, especially, you know, if they, uh, if they left in good graces, I should say with the organization, um, socks need the balance. They need another lefty. And what do the pirates want? You know, what does Pittsburgh want for Quintana? That's the thing, you know, is Pittsburgh saying, Hey, we've got this jewel here and you're going to have to give us this, 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 and that. I mean, the Sox aren't terribly deep in the farm system, you know, to begin with, are you, are you trading off the existing MLB roster? Uh, And, you know, we're not the only team that's going to be in the hunt, you know, now that you've expanded the postseason, here's my, my concern is the, the, the things that we're talking about as Sox fans, you know, the twins are talking about it. Cleveland is talking about Baltimore is like, Hey, wait a second. We, you know, we might actually have a shot at this. So, What do the Sox have to offer? I think it'd be a great fit, but what are we interested in giving up?
1: God, Baltimore is a great call, man. That is a team that all of a sudden is now on the rise and would maybe pay the sticker price or whatever for a guy like a Jose Quintana when maybe the White Sox would want to do something a little bit more, uh, maybe a little bit more prudent or try and maybe wait till the market dries out and see what we can get for them. Um, That's a great point. Uh, Let's bounce back over to the offense and – um, I want to get your take on this and I don't know I don't know if this is going to be solved by a deadline move but I think some of the things that we've kind of picked up on like look let's be honest the first month of the season or so the lineups were pretty insane right um, and, and and somewhere along the way maybe it was about four or five weeks ago I feel like we finally locked into an Anderson Vaughn Robert a was Pollock for a while. Now I feel like that's kind of interchangeable with Gavin Sheets. Um, in your opinion, with guys like Mancada, possibly Alloy getting healthy eventually, we will hopefully see Grandal at some point this season. Are you, you know, what is your take on where the lineup construction is right now? Because one of my biggest criticisms is we thought we were going to hit a lot of home runs and score a lot of runs, but six through nine, our lineup has been pretty short this year. Six through nine has been a kind of an easy pass for opposing pitchers. And I'm kind of curious to see what do you what do you foresee. I mean, do you foresee Mancada at the two and move Vaughn down? Do you think maybe a Mancada Grandal influx at the bottom of the lineup might work? You know, how how do you think it should possibly play out? If, you know, if you were in charge of the lineup uh, moving forward.
0: Yeah, I I mean, look, I've never uh, i never managed. I managed a middle school team, you know, and I've played uh you know through high school and a year in college, uh obviously been around baseball a long, long time. And I have seen consistent lineups for some whatever reason do well. You know, like when guys get comfortable in where they know that they're going to be hitting and they know who's around them and they know you know what type of pitches they might see. They know the guy in front of them will see a lot of pitches. Can I can
1: I interject really quick? You know what I mean? Like isn't it fair to say from just a human level and Nick, cause you've played the game that like, when you know, you know, who's like hitting in front of you, you know, you're going to see that mix of pitches, you know, when you hit, but when you hit behind Jose Abreu, you know, all right, well, they're going to try and maybe bust him up and you're going to see some sliders and, and you, you already know that pattern. So you can walk in prepared where if you're always hitting in front of someone different. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, Sebi Saval is in front of you, or whatever, and you're just seeing maybe fastball, fastball, fastball. You know what I mean? Like it just changes the way maybe you prepare for an at bat.
0: Yeah, I, I know people don't like um, the 2005 White Sox team to be constantly brought up. I know people are no, sick let's of it. Do just it now. like but uh, when you had Scotty Pods, then Oguchi, you know, Tadahito Oguchi knew what he really was going to have to do because Scotty Pods most of the time was going to get on base. So a was going to hit it to the right side. He was going to be getting ready to look at an outside pitch and take it to right field. And,
1: and he's going to see curve and he's going to see curve balls because Scotty pods is on base and they're trying to get the ball on the ground. You know what I mean?
0: It's all, it all plays into itself. I mean, that's just a small, you know, example, but, I don't know. When we when we saw as to your point, when we saw consistent lineups for like four or five days, you started seeing production. I don't know. Guys seem to just start to get comfortable. And there have been interviews where where folks have talked about it. AJ Brzezinski was uh, doing a a Fox game uh, about a month or so ago, uh, which he'll be doing another game this weekend. Uh, in the Cleveland series. And he mentioned just getting comfortable, like guys need to know going into, going into a day, going into the clubhouse, where am I going to be at? And, and if I could just be there, you know, players sometimes are a creature of habit. We know pitchers are, and I think it goes that way to players. Now in terms of getting your power at the bottom of the lineup, I think that could be a grand situation. You know, I, they're going to continue to give sheets opportunities until I, something happens Why? and they yeah Why, i I, I think it's Honestly. i think in yeah it, well as long as tony larussa has access to gavin sheets he's going to continue to play him you almost have to take him away from tony larussa it is the well, they, classic they did.
1: they did take him yeah, away nick right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he couldn't quit him he brought him back
0: <laughs> yeah it and, and she did well the- for
1: a week he made a couple adjustments to be yeah, fair. And he's gotten
0: he's gotten better um you know he'll run into one i can't stand him in the outfield he's a liability for sure but i get why he's out there you know when he rakes a double in the gap or when he hits a three-run bomb as a lefty, you're like, okay, that's why Sheets is going to be put in the lineup. Um, so you you know this as much as anybody. White Sox love their power lefties. And if you could make them a corner outfielder, uh, even better. And he is not supposed to be a corner outfielder, but they're going to force it. Uh, it. Hey, if you could continue to get some production out of him, that's a spot that you can't overlook as a pitcher.
1: I think that five-hole spot, I don't want to oversell. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think it is a really pivotal part of the lineup that the White Sox need to figure out quickly, and I think the easiest answer to that is a very healthy Aloy Jimenez um, hitting behind Jose Abreu moving forward because there is a little bit of some double speak going on, in my opinion, where when Rick Hahn gets up there and talks about the, and he tries to um, explain why A.J. Pollock, you know, they made the trade for A.J. Pollock and why it wasn't a left-handed bat. Well, he loves to always bring up that A.J. Pollock has great numbers against right-handed pitching. And we saw for a little stretch there, especially when Pollock was on a heater, he was the five hitter. And I feel like over the last maybe 10 days or so as he's cooled off, they've gone back to Gavin Sheets in the five hole. And I don't like that. <laughs> I, 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 and They're doing it because he's a lefty, right? And, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know the righty lefty, the whole thing and, and all that stuff. And I don't think it's the way that we're best maximizing our offensive lineup right now. And I'm just kind of interested to see how we move these pieces around. And I, I find it to be, it's a very funny stat. I mean, it's impressive, Nick, right, that, you know, Tim Anderson's hitting what, over 315 right now. Andrew Vaughn's at about 290. Jose Abreu's over 300 with a 380 OBP right now, which it has to be easily a career high for him. Yeah. And then, you know, and you have Luis Robert there at 290. Your top four right now can match up with almost anybody in the American league. And I'm, and I'm, I'm putting that in the same sentence as the Yankees and the Astros. It's that second half of the lineup and the combination and the right mixing and matching that I think is really going to hopefully tell the tale of the offensive side of uh, the team right now, moving forward.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I think we all wanted uh, when we entered the 2022 season is we wanted this dangerous lineup where there was no place to hide. And if a Mm -hmm. pitcher did, you know, uh, walk the tightrope, so to speak, uh, against the one through four, uh, or one through five. And then they might they might slip up against, you know, seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, nine. And that's when hopefully we had guys down there uh, that could attack on a mistake, because a pitcher was focusing so much on your Mancadas, your Andersons, your Abreu, your Robert. And, and now obviously, Vaughn is in that conversation that hey wait a second. and and we've had we've had teams do this against us I mean the twins did it uh before the break where we were so worried about Ramirez and Naylor that we forgot about that Cleveland's got some other guys hitting in the lineup and we kind of threw them cookies and they destroyed it you know yeah. so that that is that balance it's all about balance and when opportunities come up and hopefully Paula can stay healthy because you know he can he can be an asset but look at look at the log jam out there though you know who knows what's going to happen with Aloy, but you, you know you've got pollock that can play out there they're forcing sheets out there i like adam Engel. you know he he really impressed me uh in it's the solid, minnesota right? series yeah, yeah it, we, it was always a situation of boy if this could if that if this guy could only hit if he can only start hitting for power and now he kind of is he's he, when you when he comes up you're not like oh well, I maybe next inning it's, Hey, this guy could keep things going here. So that could be a good problem to have, but I think sooner rather than later, and this was, this, this is just my personal belief, but towards the end of the 2021 season, we just didn't have any momentum. We didn't get consistent. We didn't get things going and folks were saying, Oh, well, you know, once the playoff happens, everybody will just turn it on. I, it didn't happen. I, I think you need to have some consistency going in. And right now, though, it's still, hey, we got to still jump Cleveland. We still have to jump Minnesota.
1: Nick Murawski of Locked On Socks and Good Guys Talk Back. You can check out both of those podcasts wherever you find your podcast. Remember, Locked On Socks too, as well, is a daily podcast for all your White Sox content all the time. So you definitely need to check that out. Got a couple more topics here with Nick Murawski here on Bet on Chicago. Um, you mentioned Naylor. This season and this season alone, uh who is your least favorite uh opponent in the division in the AL Central? Uh who one player, if you could pick one player who's just who's just pissed you off to no end. I know Byron Buxton has been a thorn in our sides, uh but Naylor from that uh from that earlier performance of driving in what eight or nine runs um and the fact that he's just He's got that little swag to him and he doesn't hit with his batting gloves. I just, I don't like the guy. And when Hendricks came out and blew his ass away, I, that made me very happy. Is there a particular uh, guy in the AL Central? I know Josh Donaldson's not there anymore, so this might be a little bit harder than it needs to be. But is there a guy right now in the division that just kind of graduates a little bit? You,
0: if people that know me, this is low hanging fruit. Javi Baez. Um, <laughs> he. <laughs> Oh yeah. And that's why if people know me, they're like that guy, when he came into Sox park a couple weekends ago and he had a double and he had a game winning, you know, and he's just like, it was like a Roman. He was egging the fans on. He loves to wear the black hat and Oh, he, he jumped, he jumped Naylor. He jumped Buxton. He jumped Ramirez (laughs) and he's now at the top of my list after that.
1: I love that. Yeah. He's, um i love so like i have i have Javi bias love because of uh i have affection for the north <laughs> side and the south side but it is really funny right that his ops is like it's probably like 420 or something like that but when he comes to chicago baby mm-hmm. toast to the town i can't hear you i can't uh, hear you and his home uh, runs too are like these like uh fugazi home runs too One one of them was just like a poke out right That just like barely yeah. made it over the fence down the left field line
0: yeah, he uh, and, and we were supposed to handle Detroit pretty well in that series here in our park. And it was the Javi Bias show for several of those games. And it just talk about just a thorn and the way he it just, you know, he wears it well, you know, he's a classic heel in the wrestling uh, terminology. Uh, he really is.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good candidate. I, I'm wondering if we should call this like the Max Kepler Award or something like that. I don't know. So <laughs> we could do something we could do and bestow upon people moving forward. Uh, the next one I wanted to ask you was, uh, Nick, you get a phone call and you pick it up and someone says, we need you down a guaranteed re- rate field in the next whatever, 20 minutes. And you say, I'm there and they take you down a long corridor, down a long hallway. They open up the door and it's just a single room with two chairs in it. And it's Tony Larusa, and it's you. And the person goes, "You've got ten minutes," and they shut the door. You now have ten minutes alone with Tony La Russa. Um, what do you what do you tell him? Uh, what's the pep talk? What do you want to see from him? What um, what can you, any advice that you could possibly bestow upon our Hall of Fame baseball person mm. manager for the second half? Because uh, the, you know the criticism doesn't go away. It probably won't go away even if they are successful. But what do you think he needs to do to make this team as successful as possible in the second half?
0: That interaction would go for all my Seinfeld fans out there, it would be like when Frank Costanza has an interaction with George Steinbrenner and he goes off on why the hell did you trade Jay Buna had a cannon for arm over 100 RBIs you don't know what the hell you're doing, I would just you know it would be something but like why did you walk Trey Turner. You know, why are you hitting a Garcia? In and, the then and then just... <laughs> he did it to Jose Ramirez. He did it to Jose Ramirez we could have. Exactly. Exactly. It would be more of, you know, I'm curious of, honestly, honestly, what stats he cares about and what stats he asks his team. These are the numbers I want to have at my fingertips. You know, mm-hmm. when decisions are made, because you can get anything you want at any given time and it just seems sometimes like he is so selective on what he actually wants to pay attention to and he seems to be managing in a different era and I, he's a smart guy he's an accomplished guy he's he's going to go down as one of the greatest managers of all time but it just doesn't feel like he is managing in this era and and he is so stubborn because he feels like he's the smartest man in the room that he will double down on his poor decisions and try to almost make you think like you're the moron you know like you know and then you start thinking is like call that, self, call, wait, that wait ga- a second. call that gaslighting we call that gaslighting Nick. <laughs> i it just that's what the kid's so call so i think i would just you know it would be more of like Question like who do you think you are you know uh from the office (laughs) it goes
1: who do you think you are why is it that you are the do the things that you do
0: (laughs) yeah exactly when michael's questioning toby uh yeah yeah, i think it's just like you know what what would be a can you get some consistent lineups you know can we just just put it out there put it out there for two weeks and see what happens uh But, you know, that would be kind of interesting if I won that opportunity. Um, I probably would never be asked back, but, hey, you get your money's worth.
1: They take your picture on the way out. (laughs) All of a sudden, have a clubhouse. Exactly. (laughs) They're scanning it for you all the time. Um, Yeah, Yeah. look, you know, I, I, I think what I was trying to, you know, what I'm so curious about this question with, and one of maybe mine would be, exactly something you kind of just touched on was I think this is an opportunity. And look, maybe this is just from a fan's perspective. But I think for him, I think the big one is about accountability. And, I, you know, let's go back uh, 2005 White Sox. Everybody drink. We just did it again. Mm -hmm. But you know what? But but you know (laughs) what I mean? Ozzy, though, Ozzy would go out of his way to protect his guys. And he would also famously be like, you know, I'm going to say some crazy stuff here to distract from the things that are going on in the clubhouse. Now, Tony LaRusso, when he says crazy stuff, I think it's gasoline on the fire and it's not Mm -hmm. the distraction that maybe had the effect that Ozzy had. And I think this is a really big opportunity for him to uh, own up to his decisions, protect his players, and when something goes wrong, no matter what it is, take full responsibility. I mean, he's a, we mentioned it, he's a grown man, he's an accomplished man, he's a Hall of Fame man, and when you, and you're completely right, He has passed the buck or he has, you know, defensively put it back on a reporter who asks a very valid question of, hey, why did you do this thing in the game that we haven't seen in, you know, 20 or 30 years? Why did you walk someone on an 0 and 1 or 0 and 2 count? It's a very fair question. And for him to think that, you know, well, you don't understand the game. That's a defensive thing that I don't understand. And. I think it would mean a lot to the players to say that, you know what, Tony's got your back no matter what, but also taking responsibility and accountability for almost everything to a fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, almost, yeah. you know, and take it out of the player's hands a little bit and maybe try and let them play free because I do feel like at times there has been a lot of pressure with this team that is so talented, but the injuries kept mounting. And when they can't get that winning streak going and they can't turn that corner, We've seen the frustration on this team, and maybe it's led to bad defense, and maybe it's led a lot to this forty-six and forty-six record. How do we loosen this up a little bit to get this team on a roll? And I mm-hmm. think my the manager taking more accountability and saying this is all on me, no matter what happens. Maybe that can kind of help out a little bit.
0: Yeah, the, great points. I mean, I watch uh, a lot of the post game um, on NBC Sports Chicago, and they will uh, air the Larusa press conferences and you know, I get it. The The reporters have a very difficult job and they're, and they're walking a fine line of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to piss off the front office. I don't want to be, you know, blackballed, you know, from asking questions. Hey, I've got articles I need to write. I've got contact I've got to put out there. It's best if I stayed on the safe side, but there have been guys that have asked some tough questions and just get pushed aside, like in a very dismissive way of, like, who, how dare you question me with three rings with that? Well, these reporters, these journalists are doing, they're, they're doing a service. And I, and that's where I think some of this accessibility maybe, uh, is, is too much for Larusa. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Like I, I, again, going into this gig, I think he thought this was turnkey ready. Um, I'm not going to have to do a lot of managing. Look at Last the talent it was, on the scene. Right. Yeah, it, it, was it was just kind of by
1: and large. Just last don't year. screw they things up. up. A great start. and Just you know, put you the prepared
0: lineup prepared out there. And, you know, the, these guys aren't living up to their, their potential. There's been injuries. There's, you know, been, you know, headaches in the bullpen. They haven't exactly uh, been rock solid at times. So there's been moves that have had to be made and everything is put on under a microscope because of the expectations. There's a lot, but yeah, I, I think just coming out there and just, putting it on himself and, and because that's what we want as fans. It's just be real, be honest with us. You know Uh, if anything with Chicago fans, and I think this is what Ozzie Guillen was so great about is like, he knew Chicago fans because he played here for so long and he knew that you weren't going to be able to BS him. Like they could see right through you. Uh, Chicago fans are hungry. They're ravenous for a success. And this is something we felt like we've been owed as sax fans with this rebuild. Of course, nothing is owed to you. Nothing goes perfectly, but this of course is a, as a window, a championship window, like don't screw this up.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, but for, for sports fans in Chicago, there is definitely a fine line between um, wanting to throw your ass out of town and lay down in the street for you. And a lot of times for us, I think it has to do with how you carry yourself. Um, and how you handle situations and adversity you know if you're not performing on the field or if you're not performing as a manager of course we're gonna want to criticize you and we're gonna want to throw you out of town but if you handle yourself and you conduct yourself with a certain way with uh, dare I say a certain sense of class and when someone goes hey why did you make this decision in this moment and Tony goes you know what this is what I saw right here and this is what I wanted I felt this situation was better And if it didn't work out, this is on me. And you know what I mean? The the buck stops here. It's my call. Maybe I didn't put my players in the best position I could to succeed, but I wanted to. I think Chicago sports fans respect that a lot more than him going, well, do you know what uh, Trey Turner hits with uh, right-handed pitching and an 0-2 count? And everyone goes, oh, 263. Great number, dude. You know what I mean? And then we
0: get back it's optics. Yeah, yeah. It's absolute optics. And, uh, you know, I I hate to say this, but, you know, he he put on a little bit of a – a performance, even like, like come out in a post-game conference, like fired up, just really, even maybe if you don't feel it, like give us something here, you know, we're, yeah. we're paying for this, to, you know, so to speak.
1: I mean, and, the only and, two things he's gotten pissed about, right. Are your mean Mercedes and people <laughs> not and people not standing for the anthem. Right.
0: Right. What's yeah. It? Yeah. I can't it, think
1: of anything else.
0: Yeah. and, Uh, you know, it it was uh, again, I I think this is going to be something that's never going to go away. We're going to continue to talk, talk about La Russa as uh, it was with Nagy with the Chicago Bears. And it's been in other situations. I mean, the Bulls have definitely had their fair share over the years. um, And responsibility lies at at, at the manager. You're not going to fire all of the players. And yeah, the players in a lot of ways are not living up to their potential, but you know, sometimes you have to change things. You know, the Phillies tried to do that. The, the Toronto Blue Jays recently did that. And, you know, I've had messages sent to me from fans, you know, all over the country uh, that are fans of different sports teams. And they're like, hey, is La Russa next? Is he the next one? I'm like, you don't understand. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't explain why he's not going to, because it goes back many, many decades. And I have to get into the whole Jerry Reinsdorf thing. It's, it's a large big question. He's here. I think the rest of this season, and I don't know about next, but uh, I guess one, one week at a time.
1: Yeah. And look, the easiest explanation I can have for that now at this point is we're 92 games in everybody. It's too late. This was yeah. going to happen. It probably would have happened 20 to 25 games ago when they were at like, you know, four or five, six games under 500. And, you know, to their credit, they've gotten a little bit healthier. They're starting to hit the ball and now they're at 500. It's the middle of July guys you know, the the ships
0: and and winning, winning solves. Yeah. Winning solves it all. It it really does. I mean, in in the 10 games leading up to the break when they were seven and three, taking three or four in Minnesota smiles, you know, clubhouse was happy, you know, you're winning and you're, you're, and you, and you're really, I mean, they beat the twins 32 to 10 in the series. I mean, they stomped on them really. So Again, if it would have been the other way around, if they won one of four and you know Seven lost games three back four, or whatever, yeah, break, I, I maybe yeah. the break is a perfect time to just you know switch things up. But uh uh I, I think that with guys getting a little bit more healthy and I think the team just feeling it like we can play with these guys. This isn't the Yankees. These aren't the Astros. Like we can beat Cleveland and Minnesota. We should be stomping on them. Uh, this still is their division to win. It really is.
1: And I believe they have a dozen or maybe more games against the Royals coming up with the rest of the way in the season. There's some Tigers games in there too, as well. So a lot of divisional opportunities. My last question for you, um, you know, Nick, when we, I brought you on before the season started, um, I asked you a lot of like over unders and and we made a lot of fun like predictions or prognostications for the season I believe at the time and this is, seems kind of silly now I think the question was over under on 97 wins for the White Sox uh, Guess what? They ain't getting there. Um, nah. but you know what? I think this is kind of where we're at though right now I mean, I think if they even got to 90 you'd be like, holy cow, here we come So now we're probably looking more at like 86 maybe 88 something like that to win the division But I think that that is just a number. So my question for you is, yeah, one, uh, weigh in on, you know, what number you think it'll take to win the division. And then second of all, you know, we've watched 92 games. You see every single inning, you know, tangibly. Can you project out realistically what you think it will actually take? What do you need to see from this White Sox team that will actually start to give you the feeling or give you the glimpse that this team can make some noise in the postseason if they do get there. What exactly do you need to see from this team moving forward?
0: Well, you know, if they wanted to match uh win total last year, which was 93 wins, they've got to go 47 and 23. Uh, th- that's not going to happen either. That's Nor what the Yankees think... just did for everyone's reference. That's just what yeah. the Yankees did. And everyone's going goo gaga over yeah, the historical
1: it... Yankees. So that's, a, that's yeah, quite a piece. It...
0: It, it is quite a pace and I don't actually think 93 win wins to your point. That's not gonna, you don't need to get to a 93 wins to do, win the division. I mean, I think, you know, maybe 87, maybe 88 wins, you know, who knows, maybe 86, uh, it's kind of arbitrary depending on uh, AL central is a, is a bad division. Um, but, and don't play down to your division. I, I think what's going to give me, um, some hope that the Sox can return to maybe the preseason expectations is if guys start living up to their expectation. Like if Mancata continues this pace consistently, if Yasmani Grandal comes healthy and can be somewhat like his uh, second half 2021 self, um, if Robert stays healthy, you know, like maybe he misses some games. We don't know what's going on. Uh, If Aloy, you know, can play consistently in the second half. Like, those are big ifs. Um, and then it comes down to, I think, pitching, obviously. Like, like Joe Kelly, like, be consistent, please. Like, I can't have you this, like, Jekyll and Hyde, you know. We need a consistent Kendall Graveman. Um, you know, we need... Giolito to kind of be the Giolito we were hoping for we I I have a lot of faith in and cease I think he's going to continue his way I kind of think you know Cueto is going to continue his his ways as well but you need three to four out of your five starters to be you know to be rocking and rolling I think um you know and then and just runners in scoring position you know when you have opportunities uh you got to make the most of it and it doesn't always have to be the long ball but you know, getting some hits together, you scoring early, um, and and getting your pitchers uh, some some run support early on. The simple stuff like that. If you could string that together, and, and Sacks can go like on a crazy two week stretch, you know, where they they've they've you know they win. Um, Let's see, man, I, I'm not saying I'm looking for a 10 or 11 and a an no streak, but if they can go like eight and three in a couple, in a couple spots. I think we're they're going to get 12 shape.
1: out of 16 or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Something like um, that would be great. And we've got uh, some breaking news right now. This episode's probably going to run over the weekend. Um, so this is something that we're going to have to play out, but you're hearing this for the first time. Uh, the lineup is out for Friday to start the second half. Uh, Tim Anderson, Yuan Mancata, Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal is back. He is in the lineup. He is hitting fifth. He's playing catcher. Eloy Jimenez is back. Back in the lineup, DH at sixth, A.J. Pollock, Josh Harrison, Adam angle So, no Luis Robert. Mm. Um, if you want to just first blush comment on that, when a guy has lightheadedness and can't, has to come out of a game, sits out for a week and still is not good, I, I find that to be concerning because it's one of those things where there's no timeline on it. It's, it's vexing is what it is.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, going into break, I heard Larusa comment that Robert was going to get tests on Monday that were more with a specialist, not just standard tests. And then you had a lot of folks weighing in, of course, with is it vertigo? Is it something you know, bigger, an inner ear issue? um not just dehydration or what have you? and and there were moments um, you know, in in the not only the twins series, he only played in uh, what a game or half a game, but, uh, in some games leading up to that where he scored were he had a goofy... double on that game too yeah but it. in the in the outfield he just didn't look like he was tracking baseballs very well like mm-hmm. he he almost misread them it's, and it's, it was like, he, like a depth like he's perception like looking
1: up yeah it's like he's looking up and it's and it's either making him dizzy or it's it's screwing with him
0: absolutely so I wonder what's going on that that really worries me you know it's like Okay, it's not a torn issue. There's not a, an ACL thing, or it's not a thumb or an ankle, or and now it's a, you know, it's a who knows? Um, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's really sad because this is a guy that uh, we know is a multiple tool player. We, we've seen glimpses. If this guy could just put it together for an extended period of time, how dangerous he can be. He's an absolute difference maker. So happy to see Aloy back. Uh, hopefully Grandal is a hundred percent and, and angle, you know, just hang on there, man, you know, angle, you, you don't have to carry the load. You know, other guys are going to have to step up, but um, again, still, and I say this without Robert, this, this lineup still has got a lot of, of pop in it. It really does. And, and just hopefully the Luis Robert situation isn't uh, a long-term like rest of the season. We don't know kind of thing
1: or something that is nagging or or crops up. I'm in agreement with you, right? We can all bitch and moan about hamstrings, but when it comes down to something that's complicated and a little more mysterious, it just, it just doesn't sit right.
0: uh, Joey, was it a, was it Joe Maurer years ago that maybe got knocked in the head with a knee while he was sliding into second base? I think he was on the twins and he, you know, that he had a concussion and it affected I don't want to say the rest of his career, but it affected, it was like an entire season, if not more, where he just was not right. And I, I don't they know moved if him there was to a first concussion. Base. Yeah. They moved
1: him to first base. I think the season or two after that, he was on a long-term. Yeah, or
0: maybe it was more. No, I, it was one of the, there were, there was a. No, definitely a had a more. No, definitely okay. had a concussion too. as yeah. well. Yeah. Maybe that it was really more. No, but, career. um, you know, I, I don't know if there was an issue, uh, there, there was a lingering effect, but yeah, um, it, it's dangerous.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, just going to have to play it out. And honestly, you just need the dude to be healthy and ready to play baseball. And hopefully that happens. Cause yeah, to your point, you know, it's funny, you know, a lot of times in any sport, when you look at around the league and some of these teams have just these monster players, just these guys are like, God, these guys are like, they're one in ones, they're unicorns. They're just, they're just apart part, they're set apart. And you know, I, I just throwing a like you know a, a comparison out there when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 they didn't have any of those guys there was not a guy that was really set apart from anyone else in the league uh, there's just guys having great seasons and talented players but I think Luis Robert is that type of guy that guy that really can not only do it all but uh, come through in big moments has the speed and athleticism to just do things that other guys in the baseball field can't do and yeah it's a major factor and you know he's only been in the league. You know, he's only been in the league now for a couple of years and he's already a three hitter, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, honestly, like that's a maturation that needs to be respected and admired and hopefully he can get healthy. Just to rope back around to the second half real quick, you are so dead on about the starting pitching. Uh, the big one for me heading forward is the thing that's probably going to give me the most hope about whether this team can actually make noise in the postseason or not is I want to see that two or three rotation turn two or three times where each of them come out and it's one of those, like, who's got it today? You know, who's throwing the mm-hmm. gem today? Who's who's ripping six or seven innings? And I think that's going to be the, the momentum in that starting rotation and getting some turnover with that where they start kind of going two or three rounds of just really, really great starting pitching. I think that's going to go a long way because I'm honestly not that worried about the offense. The offense has kind of found its way it just kind of needs to get healthy. I think it is that starting pitching. Uh, so I'm, I'm in an agreement with that. And I think that'll make me because, you know, the, the Astros series, too, as well. Maybe that's my past trauma because we walked mm. in that Astros series being like, you know, we got this offense. I like our front starting pitching. And clearly that just didn't work out. They did not bring it in that series. And that's kind of, you know, that's where we crapped out, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it's about making adjustments and uh, hitters are going to adjust to you, you've got to sometimes readjust sometimes pitchers have to adjust in game in at bat and, uh, again, Kopex young, uh, in terms of starting, you know, rotation he he's not a max guy because, you know, he can't do, you know, as fast as he can possibly throw for an inning out of out of the bullpen you know he is he is it's an art form you know to and look look at some people speaking about artists look at what johnny cueto you know is able to do um so you're right going deeper into games too you know now we're in the second half you know i can't have season only going three innings because he threw 90 pitches uh you know we need five innings out of these guys six would be great so we don't overtax uh, a bullpen
1: yeah, just get, into, get in a situation where you're winning games like 6-2. to two. You know what there I mean? There you go. Your, your offense isn't blowing up. But you're getting great starting pitching. You got these nice, comfortable leads, not a lot of stressful situations, and you're just kind of stacking up some wins uh, and, and just building it through there. Uh, Nick, we got to get you out of here, man. Nick Morawski joining us here on Bet on Chicago. Uh, my friend, man, dude, always – I have to always congratulate you on the amazing work that you continuously do. Uh, your, your voice – and your perspective is growing more and more within the White Sox community. And it makes me, it makes me so happy uh, for you and for people listening to this pod right now uh, that love the White Sox. There's no better place to get content and, and daily perspective about the White Sox than Lockdown Sox or Good Guys to Talk Back with Nick Marowski. Uh, my friend, toss out your socials real quick so people can follow you. And uh, dude, good to see you, man. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll be bringing you back sometime in September to talk about a, stress, a stretch run postseason matchups who's oh. throwing game three nick let's let's wrestle about oh. it you know what i mean
0: let's do oh. it be nice. oh you're getting me excited here uh, joey always a pleasure buddy uh, i really enjoy our conversation so thank you so much for having me um, you can find me on twitter at nick underscore i've uh, got the weekly chicago white Sox podcast good guys talk back uh, we're on twitter at good guys tv And then the daily Chicago White Sox podcast that's Locked on White Sox and that's at Locked on Sox. And those podcasts are available everywhere you find uh, your podcast. I eat, sleep, drink uh, Chicago White Sox.
1: Oh, man, great stuff. Thanks so much for coming back on the pod. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago is presented by who else? BetOnline.ag, 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. When you use promo code BLEAB, and also summer is on its way. It's about midway point of summer being over, but that means it's a perfect opportunity to head over to Baseball Lifestyle 101. I've been partnering with them all summer long. So if you go to bl101.com, you get a 10% discount on all their summer apparel when you use promo code JoeySportsGuy. Make sure you go over there and check that out. They got great uh, sports apparel for all the baseball fan, young and old out there. So make sure you check it out. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We're coming back with more very soon. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago.